0: Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm Pastor Zach McGowan, and joining me in the armchairs today is Pastor John. We begin our discussion by talking about what we do with the works of formerly disgraced church leaders. And we discuss our new series, In the Book of Jonah. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, welcome back everybody to Armchair Preaching episode number 38 is that what i said before 38 38, 38. Yeah. okay
1: good yes yeah. so we're in episode number 38 in 2 weeks there's going to be the 40th and uh, we're throwing a big party in Zach's office everybody's invited everybody's invited lots of armchairs and you just told me that the 40th
0: anniversary is the ruby anniversary ruby. which that's right. which i ruby. had never heard that before but i do like that so <laughs> we'll be taking donations of rubies and ruby like things here for the 40th episode that's great <laughs>
1: that's great
0: um, and 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 it is florida and i can tell right now that um, it's very likely you can hear the cicadas out my window through, this, uh, through the, the sensitivity of this microphone because I can hear them in my headphones right now. But it just proves that we are actually here in the office in Florida in armchairs. In our
1: armchairs in September. Uh, by the way, after the Florida-Alabama game, which uh, we, you know I, we, you and I really haven't even spoken much since then. I avoided you like the I plague he on Sunday morning. It, yeah. <laughs> Sunday yeah, morning. Right. So, That's right.
0: That's right. Well, and and uh, it's all good fun, all it SEC is. games, and and we love it, and we love college football, which proves we're Southerners as well, too. Absolutely. Um, today we're talking about new series. We started a new series Go called Jonah. Called uh, Jonah. God's Relentless Grace is the subtitle, which um, I think is a is a really apt um, title. You know, in the story of Jonah, really, it's a story of a highly disobedient prophet, and. You jumped in really heavily. I, I did as well. About running from God and the disobedience, and how God chases after us in our disobedience, and and it got me thinking about a lot of the the church leaders that we see on a national scale today, who are just disobedient in in so many ways, and and Sounds some like ways, more
1: and more of them seem like every month somebody else every, falls.
0: every month you know and and and. It's it's a different type of sin and a different type of disobedience than Jonah's for sure. Jonah was called to a people to speak a word of judgment. And these folks that we see today, it's everything from sexual misconduct to, you know, uh, accusations of, of bullying in office environments and and uh, covering up the deeds of, of, a, of a loved one so that they can serve. And so, those pastors, be, you know, become... Um,
1: sin is compounded yeah. by all the, the actions after the sin. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Catholic Church scandals of the recent... Absolutely. However many years. So, I
0: think the question that I kind of want to Talk about just a little bit, because I get asked this, and I I I wonder if you get asked this by other folks as well. When a church leader falls, especially one that has published books and and ha- and their sermons are readily available online, and and people have probably even bought you know audio sermons from them. Um, what do you do with that material from the past? And, and you, you mentioned Ravi Zacharias earlier, and and uh, you know his, his was a, a posthumous scandal. But what do we do with the works of these sure. these uh, these former church leaders? And some of them now have taken the reins of other churches. Um, And how do we feel about that too? So I'll be curious, like how you have, have people talk to you about those sorts of things in the past and what kind of advice do you give them about their, about that usefulness?
1: Well, like everything, you have to kind of step back from all of the details and just ask what are, What are the principles at work here, and uh, and what has the church had to say about these kind of principles throughout the history of the church? And and unfortunately, this is not the first time that there's been a a, a season or a really an ongoing uh, life of, of leaders who have fallen. And I think probably the most the most um, the most telling uh, and the most sort of visible part of the the history of the church where this took place. And you and I both studied church history yeah. together. And it was the, I don't know why this particular movement stood out to me, but it was the Donatist movement mm. out of the third and fourth century. And so the emperor of Rome, the Diocletian had been uh, ordering the, the, the plague had had interestingly enough, the plague had, had broken out and he began to blame, assign blame. Yeah. And eventually the blame landed on, it was on the Manichaeans for a while, but yeah. then it was on the Christians. Yeah. And so what do they do? They start, they start, you know, Burning their sacred writings, they start you know calling the calling the Christian leaders to recant to repent of their belief and the, and to the worship only Caesar. and you had this whole movement in there where some of those some of those leaders they cowed in they gave over their their you know the Bibles were sacred at that time you, yeah you, you had, they were handwritten at the time, but they gave them over they were burned wow. they recanted their their faith and then others did not and many of them at that at at cost of their own lives, yeah. they, they killed them as a result of this. Many of them survived as well. And then, when Diocletian dies, now the church is restored, ultimately to the. Edict of Milan, I think it was, mm-hmm. where, where Constantine says, "Okay, it's, it's the empire's religion." It's the empire's religion. Now you got a problem on your hand because you got people who ne- did not recant, and they have scars on their bodies yeah. to, to prove it, and you got people who who did recant, who who say, "I wanted you know, the efficacy, the effectiveness of my work uh, ought to be recognized apart from my from my actions." That's the same principle, I think, that we're looking at today. It's like, okay, you had somebody who who did not give in, or they they did give in, they they did the wrong thing, and they are looked upon with judgment by other people, can they be in a valid ministry? They failed, Mm -hmm. can they be in a valid ministry, or can only these people be in a valid ministry? If you go to that principle, because that never really was resolved, the the, the one arguments for the other, uh, it wasn't really resolved until the majority really landed on the side of people can fail. And God will use them in the middle of their failings mm-hmm. or in the, after their failings uh, to, ac- to accomplish God's pur- purposes, not through them, but in spite of them. Yeah. And all of that is to say, I think with Rabbi Zacharias, we can still read his books mm-hmm. and we can still learn truth from him. Mm-hmm. And we just take it into, into account that, that Rabbi Zacharias himself, the man, mm-hmm. was a flawed, sinful man and not to emulate him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think even, you know, you look at, at, at folks like Bill Hybels or Mark Driscoll and, and some of the others, you know, the, those same sorts of questions come up. And, you know, you, you talk about it from the church history standpoint, which is really telling. Um, and I think – to some degree, it's it's also encouraging because there's as as nothing new under the sun. The teacher says there's nothing new under the sun, um, but it's also biblical, right? I mean, we see this biblical principle where Moses was a murderer, right? And God chooses him in spite of his anger and his yeah. and his anger is never totally resolved because his anger is what keeps him out of the promised land. But God still allows him the the even though he's not going in the promised land he has to feel the effects of his 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 temporal sin. God still says that he gives him the the ability to Address the people as they're heading into the promised land, and even to get
1: up on Mount Nebo and see the see the promised exactly. land as his final as his final act. Yeah, and, and David David David's the same is way. One. I mean, um, yeah, man I, after God's own heart, and yet yeah. what's one of the last things he says? Hey, by the way, don't let so and so so and so and so so go down to their their, uh, their 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 death in mm-hmm. peace. Yeah. Go, go kill these people. Yeah, yeah, and then he and then David
0: himself, uh, uh, an adulterous murderer. And while he had to feel the the temporal effects of that that sin, uh, he God did not take the throne from him, and it didn't didn't turn back the covenant promise that He made at, at the early part of His life. The, the 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 household of David was still, and is is still the house of the kingship and so it
1: gets really complicated i think and i think fear the fear that people would have even in having a conversation like this like the one we're having right now is aren't you giving a pass yeah to moral failure. Yeah. Isn't that the same thing as giving a pass to moral failure? And yeah. how can a person like a David be fit for ministry in this day and age? How how would David ever have survived in this day and age with social media and everything else oh. going in cancel culture? How would he survive? Yeah. And and the answer is he would he would be he'd be brutalized yeah. in the uh, in the social media world. But that wasn't God's that's not God's. That was not God's response to David. Yeah, and I because it was about it really was about David's heart. Yeah, just like Saul, it wasn't God's response to Saul who was murdering the, the Christians. Yeah, and you know he had he had a change of heart. David clearly had a change of heart after Nathan you know, called him out on, yeah. on his sin, and yet he still struggled with these things in his life. Yeah, exa- exactly. And
0: I think we and, and you talk about it's even difficult for us to even say yes, but God. <laughs> in the middle of someone's um try saying that around the victims a, well and 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 that's and that's something to, to that we have to be we're always got to we're always aware of you yeah. know um you mentioned um before we started recording you know the 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 problems in the roman catholic church mm-hmm. and there are thousands of victims you know tens of thousands of victims potentially and and their pain is is real yeah. and their pain is important um but God gets the final word in the, right. in the middle of that, and and I think the same thing is true. That is a
1: little different, though. It's yeah. a, that's a different story than than whether or not we read Ravi Zacharias' books. Yeah, because what we don't do is if Ravi were still alive, we yeah. don't make him the pastor of our church. That's right. Or we don't put him in charge of our youth or whatever. We don't. We, we are still wise, and we we are still upholding what is right mm-hmm. and just. Yes, and I think that and that becomes a a big question mark
0: too when you see. Mm, disgraced pastors, I guess is probably the most succinct way to put it. They start new churches, you yeah. know, and from what standpoint do they start? I mean, I think that's that becomes a question. They're now in current ministry, so, um, at what you know is there a point in which that person is ever fit for ministry again, mm. or is it really one of those things where you can say, "Well, we can look back on what God did through them in spite of their sinfulness, and, and read their books and and learn from what God was saying yeah. through them." Uh, but yeah, we don't want. But them that to is do... a
1: very different story. Does yeah. does the you mentioned Mark Driscoll's and yeah. Perry Nobles and all, all these of, of the world, you know, is there is there a point for them to be? Sort of in their heart, ready for moved, kind of done the hard hard work that that David did. Yeah. Clearly, Saul had his, his had his dramatic change. Yeah, that that and three days and just to teach the, the lengthy period of time that he he learned from the others and really kind of re- hit the reset button of his entire life. Yeah, now if that happens. I mean, that's that is a again. We're not in the category of sexual misconduct. I'm yeah. not talking about that. I'm just talking about if, if they've had struggles with addictions yeah. or struggles with um, with anger issues, which mm-hmm. several of these people have had. You know, th- that kind of change change life, humbled change life. Plus time, yeah, there may be something out there, mm-hmm. and, the, and and what these, some of these are showing doing is that there there are particular situations where it is appropriate for them to to step yeah. back into some type of ministry.
0: When I think you said it, there, there's 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 a an evidence of long term repentance there's evidence of a recognition Life change yeah and there and it's just it's it's a it's almost like another it's not a, it's not another conversion moment but it's a remembrance of their conversion moment to such a degree that they change and that there's an ongoing um, an ongoing um, reality of that change. It's not just oh, I went to rehab and I, you know, I got better. It's no, no, no. I'm living with the the the, un, the idea that I am vulnerable to temptation, and I need to be in accountability with folks. I need to be in counseling with folks, and prayer with folks. People that ask me the tough questions or that that keep me accountable. Sure. So that yes, I might be um, may may have there may be an opportunity for another. Leadership position, um, but the only way that that stays a possibility is if I'm not arrogant, thinking I can never fall. <laughs>
1: Because I know you know that person. I can think of again. some some pastors that I know now who are very effective pastors who are very open about their uh, alcoholism uh, and their and their recovery. Yeah, and uh, they've gone through a lot. They've gone yeah. through a lot of uh, bottoming out, mm-hmm. and they've done the hard work of working through the steps. And uh, they are some of the most effective people uh, out there because th- there's th- there is. They're as honest and open as, mm-hmm. as can be. Again, they're safe. Yeah, they're also safe. There's yeah. not. I mean, this, it, I always have to be. Ca- I'm always cautious when I have these conversations. Yeah, when no one is suggesting. And we've had conversations here on this very staff. Said, look, this will be a safe place. Yeah, and any any kind of accusations that uh, God willing, uh, God forbid, that they ever come up. But we're going to treat them all seriously. Yeah, absolutely. So safety, safety, safety. So mm-hmm. I'm not talking about unsafe people. I'm just talking about healthy people who've gotten to this bottomed out. Gotten help, gone into recovery, and get in and sort of dealing with that and learning to go through those steps and ultimately be able to give back to their to bless other people's lives. Having yeah. had a having had a big moment themselves. Yeah. Transformation themselves, they give back to other people's lives. So yeah. th- it is possible. That's all I'm saying, is it is possible. Yeah. But it's it's work. It's cautious and there's a lot of lot of heart a yeah. lot of prayers, a lot of conversations, a lot of transparency. It's possible. Yeah
0: and it, and one of the reasons i i had brought this up for us to talk about this this afternoon was um we're in the series uh on Jonah and i i mentioned in my sermon that that this is the third time i've preached through Jonah um which is not that's a that to me is a positive thing i love the book i love the story of Jonah i love the book of Jonah but the first time i went through this was um probably in 2011 And um, in my former church, where I was at, preached through this series, and one of the works that I used um, in that, in prep for that series, was a book by Tulian Chavijan, who is Billy Graham's grandson, who was a very successful pastor in the early. 2000s and early 2000s 2010, and then 2015, his his entire marriage just blew up, and there was infidelity on his wife's part, infidelity on his part, and this whole wrapped around thing. And so it got me, you know, thinking. The second time I did the 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 series on Jonah, I threw all that material out um, because I felt this sense of conflict about was it was it valid. To, to use that um, or not. And um, this time around, I've gone back to some of those early notes to say basically, as, as you're saying, what that work, what God did through that work earlier is
1: still God's work. It wasn't false. It wasn't false. The words weren't false. The teaching wasn't false. Yeah.
0: And, and the vessel is not the reason that we, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, we're not elevating a human individual you know that should never be our point we shouldn't look at the 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 author of of the book if it if it, if it brings us to truth uh, to some to some extent so i, I thought it was interesting yeah. no, and it have been good. At, I've it's, been a, asked it's that an question.
1: uncomfortable balance that we have to strike there because you know on the one hand there's the there's the fa- failed f- Flawed person. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there is what God reveals through a failed, flawed person that that gets recorded to paper in this case, mm-hmm. and, and and actually is true. So yeah. that's that's a delicate balance to keep uh, to maintain. Yeah.
0: So we're in this series on Jonah. Yeah. God, God's we go. rel- week, rel- week rel- one. How man? Such a good one. And you, um, you know, I want to just talk to you about uh, your, you know, y- you approaching the book of Jonah. Mm-hmm. You know, um what what sort of excites you about talking and and and, and unpacking this book with the congregation,
1: I, I suspect it's the same thing that excites you about it. Because I was listening to you as wa- go back and watched your. We watch each other's sermons mm-hmm. afterwards and listening to you. And it's like it's different for you, and I can see it in your eyes and hear it in your voice. And I know it is for, for me when you're dealing with this. As as I quoted the one uh, author, this rattling good tale yeah. of, with a dramatic plot full of supr- full of surprises. Yeah, it's different when you've got great narrative in yeah. the story itself because then you can just really, you know, paint the narrative. Really, really well. Bring out the nuances that might not come through in the text. Really, really well, and that's what. and, And then just say, okay, what is that now? What is that? That part of the tale. Telling us, yeah, and I think for me, Jonah is really releasing the narrative. That's probably the, the dominant motive for me is just release the narrative, fill out the narrative, and then draw the conclusions. Yeah, yeah, and I, I you know, you,
0: you mentioned it. We both talk about the 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 connection with with the with the Christian message with Jesus himself, and mm-hmm. we both talk about it. And I think as the series goes on, it 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 becomes more and more evident, more and more apparent. I always love taking stories from scripture that people think they know, like Jonah being in a whale. That's right, yeah. right. And um, I, I love taking stories people think they know and and have and I. For the most part, I think people put this in a category, right?
1: Yeah, I love how you said that. It's not. It's not. People put it in the category of a children's yeah. story. Daniel in the Lion's Den right. is a, a children's, children's story. story. Yeah, it's a pretty graphic children's story. Yeah. You think yeah. about you what happens when you have right. He gets out, and he, who who gets thrown in the jail right. afterwards? That's right. That's, uh, no, no, that's
0: not a children's story. That's right. And 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 like you know, David and Goliath, and and all these. I love going back and Noah Noah and the Ark. You know those sorts of things that we paint in this picture. But but really, when you get down to them, one like you just said, they're there's so much more graphic than in your children's books i mean they, you know de- when david you know defeats the goliath they always stop short of talking about how he take cuts his head off um, i think that's always hilarious um but in jonah it the the fixation on Um, the whale, whale, which is important. And and this week, we're going to talk about that, what he does in that part. But really, the totality of that part of the story, even though we have, and we're going to talk about next week, the the prayer that's offered in there, it's really chapter 1, verse 17, and chapter 2, verse 10. That's the totality of the mention of the great big fish and what the great big fish does. But um, it is exciting, man, when you, when you, you see people like, wait a minute, is that really in there? Like that's really in the story? Are you serious? Like, okay, they have to go back and look. I, I love, I love that. What, what, what kind of? And that kind of brings up another challenge to though, because it is a challenge when people do think they know the story. What kind of challenges do you face when you're
1: talking about uh, such a what people think they know so well? Well, that's part of the fun, I think. I, part of the fun of it, and you, you and I both you know, toyed with it this with this weekend, is that the story for most people, if they know it at all, which. You know, we've had I've had plenty of times where I've had to say to someone, "Go get a children's Bible. If you don't <laughs> yeah. know the basic stories, just go get a children's Bible. This is just good counsel for anybody. If you don't know the basic storyline of the Old Testament or the New Testament, get a children's Bible, and it will at least walk you through it. And most children's Bibles that are worth their salt. Are going to give, tell you more than Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three Absolutely. days. Absolutely, they'll give you more than they'll give you. He was why? You know, what was he doing? So, part of the challenge is is. Um, well, part of the fun and part of the challenge of it is is, is getting beyond the superficial knowledge of this of the storyline mm-hmm. and getting to the okay what what 's this really about yeah, what was really going on in the story this was why for me, just framing it up in, the, in a couple of summaries was really important so, okay this is the big picture what mm-hmm. happens in the book of jonah uh, that's that's what 's fun for me How about yeah. you uh, you know the challenge for me I think
0: is yeah, the familiarity with the story, but then you always run up against especially you 're talking to um Skeptical adults, or adults that 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 even come, they 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 may be Christians, but they kind of categorize Jonah as an as an unbelievable miracle because they fixate on that that great One. big that great big fish part, and so they miss chapter one chapter three and chapter four um, and they really missed the bulk of chapter two because they fixate on oh well that can never happen mm-hmm. right they, they they fixate a little bit on the seeming impossibility of such a an act mm-hmm. um, and so I think that's a challenge to kind of just uh, just say look you know and that uh, this is this is so much bigger than the scientific question: Could a giant fish actually swallow a person and that person stay alive for three days and three nights? Um, you know, I, I get that there are all those those kinds of questions that are going to come up in your head, but that's not the point, right? right? And and I think that's a and challenge. You, don't,
1: you you don't really have that as much. And we mentioned this Daniel, but you don't think about Daniel in the uh, in, in the in the fiery furnace. Yeah you don't you almost don't have as much skepticism about the story of Daniel and the whole life of Daniel even though it includes that story yeah. which is unbelievable story yeah. you know uh, and and he survives being put into a fiery furnace and he and his three two two other friends and uh, plus Jesus uh, showing up there, and yet you know the same kind of miraculous level of thing is happening in Jonah, and yet people struggle with the the historicity of Jonah and yeah. and the story itself.
0: Yeah, and even even some orthodox or seemingly orthodox evangelicals will will question the historicity of of Jonah and, and my response is, well, Jesus didn't seem to question the historicity I'm going of it. With the, I'm going with Jesus' interpretation. <laughs> right, I'm going I'm to go with what Jesus said on this. You know, <laughs> As unbelievable as it may seem to me, if it's unbelievable for Jonah to be three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, it's even more unbelievable that a man rises from the dead after being mm-hmm. nailed to a cross. So if I believe one, I can certainly believe the viability of the other. And you know, you talked in, in your message, and I thought it was really interesting about... About one of the framing things that you did was to try to, well, you didn't try to, you actually placed Jonah. In the overall history of God's people, you, you talk about the 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 hooks. You yeah. know where where do you hang this? And and I want to a- ask you know what what went behind that decision for you to to go through that yeah. uh, hit, oh, just this broad history of God's people in the Old yeah. Testament. So that I've Jonah's been waiting. Framed.
1: I've been waiting. I think I've been waiting since I've got here to, to bring <laughs> to bring that one out. And I finally had my chance where, yeah. where we knew that the focus was going to be on a narrative story in the Old Testament. And anytime you're reading in the in the in the anything with the in the in, the, in, the, in the prophets, there's the fir- one of the first things you're doing is sorting out where am I? Yeah. Am I in the northern kingdom? Am I in the southern kingdom? You know who who's the pro- who are the prophets talking to? Uh, where's where's this fit? So I've been waiting to to frame that up because I do this. I find myself one of the first things I do every single time, and I still I'm still doing it. Is okay. What, where am I in time? Yeah, and so I just wanted to give people a tool to to say, here's the framework of time, just a rough framework of time that may help you identify this. And that was my, that was my seven hooks.
0: Well, and I thought it was also, I, I thought it was a really helpful as a as a way to to legitimize the historicity of the story of Jonah. You know, yeah. And the Assyrians
1: I, were real people, the,
0: the and the time frame of Assyria yeah. was a real, real time frame. And, and Nineveh was a real place, and it was a real scary place for Hebrew people to even imagine. Yeah, you and I both brought that
1: out. Yeah, these were these were pretty pretty rough people. Yeah,
0: and then to go back and say, okay, well, okay, so and you you did this, and I I didn't really touch on it. Um, in week three, I, I plan on touching on it a little bit more. But okay, so why were the Assyrians so, you know, so feared? And you you really brought that out, and to place it. With with numbers like with actual dates and and locations, so people could you know um, say, okay, well, we're actually approaching Jonah not as a fable, um, not as a as a as a as a fictionalized myth or a parable, which is what I've heard. You know, I've heard people talk. We're approaching this as Jonah was a real guy. The Assyrians we know were real people. Uh, the Ninevites were real, and. Uh, so there's some there are some real lessons that are not just from this beautiful story but that this story has a place in time and mm-hmm. I think that was important for people because it takes it out of the children's book which can very easily turn into it's not not a true story to no, it's true and if that if if there's a history there then that history ha- has meaning for me who also exists in time and space and history so I really I thought that was an interesting uh, way to To set that and to take people's heads away from, well, this is just a fable,
1: Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. No that that was all that 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 was all part of the part of the package. So, we both also we also both. um, I mean, obviously, the theme was on running from God. Yeah. And we both talked about. I mean, you spent a little more time talking about the um, um, would be the consequences maybe of the the running and you know than than I did. But we both really emphasized that that the running from God. it's just – it's never going to be the right answer. It's never going to be the right answer.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things you, – you really – you jumped on the – and spent a lot more time – I kind of split my time between the storm from both perspectives. I like of the storms. The storm from the perspective of the – from Jonah, who knew why the storm was there and had a good idea why the storm was there because – he was at fault to the sailors who didn't know why the storm was there, but still living into the consequences of that storm, your your, your, your take um, and your focus was really on the disobedience and the rebellion. And I wonder if you just um, talk a little bit about how, you know, you know we talk about the, the subtitle is God's Relentless Grace and how um, God shows up in the middle of our disobedience. Mm. To get us on the right track, what was uh, how how you kind of frame that in the book of Jonah and or yeah. the first chapter?
1: This may go back to one of your earlier questions about the, one of the challenges of it is that when you when you are immersing yourself into a great narrative, uh, and I love how you brought the Gospel of Mark in and you were quoting from the Gospel of mm-hmm. Mark and just telling that story of the of the great storm that Jesus was uh, Jesus where he calmed that storm, um and uh, and but it's it, part of it is 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 not fixating on the narrative and and missing the gospel and the answer. Yeah to your question is, it's because the disobedience is met with, and it was the occasion for the incarnation was the disobedience mm-hmm. of us, and so the disobedience is met with the gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah. and so, so I think I think hitting that, and I felt like I got a I got a, like sort of introduction to that, but it was really because everything on week it's like week one of almost every one of our series. That's yeah, really tough. You got a lot of introduction, s- starting out things to do, and then you get more into that, um, you know, the response of the gospel to this kind of behavior is is forgiveness and, yeah. it, and it is grace. And in my case, it was the it was the pursuit of God. Yeah, is that God? God could have let him go to Tarshish. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have. Yeah, he you could know, have. Yeah, he could have sunk his boat and killed him. Yeah, I mean, for that matter, it could have, it could have been over with that. Yep. But God had intent with him. Yeah, and 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 I think it's that that intent is he eventually is shown up as as God's grace at work. Yeah. I don't know that Jonah would necessarily have said it that way, particularly at certain moments. But yeah. it was indeed God's grace at work and. Um, so I think I think that just the the idea the introduction of the gospel of the the re- rebelliousness and uh, sin is met with with uh, with God's favor yeah. with God's I mean God's call to live otherwise but it is not the kind of a call that that says you know what I'm just going to kill you yeah or, I'm going to pu- punish you uh, in, in, in indefinitely
0: yeah and I think it's I think it's really this is a real head trip for for all people I think is to th- to see these these moments of of, of storms and and what, you know, Jonah faced and, and what we face individually from a metaphorical storm standpoint, to see that as grace. That is such a, a difficult thing. And it's difficult for all of us because we don't, it doesn't feel like grace. In the
1: middle of the storm, it does not feel like grace. It definitely does not. Many times, I bet you can think of you in your own life, most people listening can think in their own life, mm-hmm. the storm that they have gone through. Mm-hmm. And they're and they're through it, yeah. and they look back on it and they see what what came out of that storm. Those are some of the some of the greatest growth in my life has come as a result of of going through some really tough situations.
0: Well, and and for me, I mean, I I mean, even my own salvation story comes from that moment of storm, hospital beds, you know, ruptured appendix. I mean, that that it and it was really not great, but. After, you know, after the storm, the, in the immediate, you look back and go, "There's this moment of realization," and I, I, I called it the moment of clarity mm. in the sermon. That there's this moment where I go, "Whoa, I'm vulnerable, I'm weak, but I know who's strong, and so I need to yield my trust to Him." It's like the sailors on the boat. At that moment, they see the the power of the storm, and God is even greater still, and yeah. so they're filled with this. This great awe and fear and reverence for um, this God that is now has sent this great storm, but now yielded and they're safe. And I think that's interesting. I, I, I
1: love how you you um, you and I both did this. Uh, we we were sympathetic to the other sailors. Oh yeah, and uh, and recognize that these other sailors who are not who are not Jews yeah. and certainly not Christians. Um, that's not. Here yet, yeah. Uh, but they they found themselves in a the situation when they saw the uh, the greatness of the storm uh, that they they yielded at least momentarily. And you yeah, know, I love how you said we don't know what happened with them afterwards. Yeah, but at that moment, but in that moment, they were, Their knees God. were on their they were
0: on their yeah. knees before before Jonah's God. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this you know brings up uh, kind of last question for for today. We're, we're running a little past time, but it's a great conversation around this. But it it makes me think what because that you know this is uh, sixteen verses that we covered this week more than you know you mentioned it's twenty eight verses total so more than half the verse count is right here in chapter one setting up story so what what did you have to leave out. Well, I mean what was it that you looked at and go man I just don't have time for this or you know this is not you know this is for an, this is well, for another series Briefly
1: inserting the 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 coat hooks thing took some time yeah. so I want but I wanted to get that in but it meant that uh, I, I needed to summarize the Jesus and Jonah um uh, parts mm-hmm. and just say it's coming Yeah. And so I I would have if I didn't put the coat hook piece in there I would have I would have put more of the uh, yeah. the, the 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 parallels between Jesus and kind of unpacked that a little bit more. Yeah. How about you? Well for me um,
0: Um, I think it goes to the sailors to some extent. I think one of the things that was in them, it was literally in the manuscript that I then I took out because I just for time was the comparison or the contrast between these pagan sailor sailors having mercy on Jonah trying to save his life. And Jonah has, and a, has the good
1: guy is the bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy
0: are the good guys. Yeah, and Jonah has absolutely no mercy on. And because you talked about it, I didn't talk about it at all. Because it will be uh, kind of a chapter three, we chapter three, four. Yeah. Um, Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh because he's afraid that God will be merciful. You know, so he can't even risk mercy for his and you know for his enemies. But these men who know. They, he's told them, he's confessed to them, this storm is my fault instead of, and they've lost livelihood. I mean, they've thrown cargo overboard. Um, They've lost, you know, the, the paychecks to this guy at this point. They don't immediately throw him overboard. He's given them, and he's also given them an out to throw the, to throw him overboard.
1: I'm the reason throw me overboard. You'll you'll save your life. And they
0: still row hard to try to save him. I just think that's one of the things I really always jumps out at me in this in this chapter and I didn't have time to get into it cuz it wasn't, you know, again, we always have to make decisions. We can't cover everything. Even in 3 ver- three verses, if we only pick 3 verses, we couldn't cover everything. Mm-hmm. So we're always having to make decisions based on what we think God needs the people to hear at this moment in their history. So um but we will have another week in Jonah, Jonah chapter. The, we'll finish the last verse of chapter one. It's a very odd break. Yeah. Um, and then we'll get into chapter two, um, which is probably the chapter that people most think,
1: people think of Jonah.
0: Yeah, and they think they know it really well, but they, I guarantee you they don't know the prayer. You know, which is the bulk of this this passage. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. And uh, for anyone who has missed uh, the, the 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 sermons from this past Sunday, I encourage you to check them out. They're available right now on our website website fpclakeland.org you can also watch on youtube you um, just search FPC Lakeland. Um, and also if you've missed any one of our uh, previous episodes of armchair preaching i encourage you to go back check us out on apple podcast stitcher and spotify or soundcloud be sure to hit the subscribe button so you get up uh, get notified when a new episode drops and share it with your friends i mean it just takes a few seconds you can copy the link from whatever your favorite podcasting platform Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. And uh, and um, we, 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 are, we get excited about getting to talk about the sermons every week, and I hope it's edifying for everyone else. John, once again, thank you for taking this time. It's
1: great and, to be with you. Great to be with all of you listening. And we'll see you guys all next time.